Our duty today is to our country and our children and our Constitution. We are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set this all in motion. And every American is entitled to those answers so we can act now to protect our republic. So this afternoon, I am offering this resolution that the committee direct the chairman to issue a subpoena for relevant documents and testimony under oath from Donald John Trump mm. in connection with the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Mr. Chairman, on this vote, there are nine ayes and zero noes. The resolution is agreed to. Well, I agree to it, too. Don't know if Donald Trump will, though. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Hey, yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, People Powered Radio 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN in Palinville, New York on WLPP in Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me... From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us for special coverage of the uh, perhaps final hearing of the U.S. House January 6th Select Committee, the Bipartisan Select Committee investigating the Donald Trump-incited insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, and of course, his multiple thankfully failed attempts to steal the 2020 presidential election. As you heard at the top of the show there, the committee has now subpoenaed Donald Trump for his testimony about the 2021 Capitol attack. It is only the fourth time in history, as I understand it, that a president has been subpoenaed for testimony by Congress after Thomas Jefferson, Richard Nixon, and Bill Clinton. At the uh, end of, uh, well, at times shockingly compelling testimony, I thought, On Thursday, uh, a nearly three hour public hearing believed to be potentially the committee's final one. The House panel voted unanimously, as you heard, to compel the former president to appear with the 
Committee's Republican Vice Chair Liz Cheney stating, quote, we must seek the testimony under oath of January 6th central player. Cheney added, we are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set all of this in motion and Every American is entitled to those answers. Mr. Chairman, the violence and lawlessness of January 6th was unjustifiable. But our nation cannot only punish the foot soldiers who stormed our capital. Those who planned to overturn our election and brought us to the point of violence must also be accountable. With every effort to excuse or justify the conduct of the former president, we chip away at the foundation of our republic. Indefensible conduct is defended. Inexcusable conduct is excused. Without accountability, it all becomes normal and it will recur. The committee's vote to subpoena the former president came at the end of the hearing, which uh, just wrapped up a little bit over an hour or so ago after presenting a number of previously unseen interviews with Donald Trump's aides and new documents detailing Trump's unflagging multi-part efforts to steal the 2020 election from Joe Biden and the American people who elected President Biden. The panel offered vivid new details and evidence of Trump's state of mind as he refused to concede his loss to Joe Biden, resulting in the 2021 attack at the Capitol and uh, included chilling footage of what happened inside the halls of Congress uh, as uh, leaders, including Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, even Mike Pence, attempted to fill the leadership void that occurred as Trump spent nearly three hours in the White House dining room watching the violence unfold at the Capitol via Fox News while refusing to take any action to stop it. Pelosi, Schumer uh, and others were seen in, in some some of the previously unseen footage as the attack was underway, as they were reaching out to governors in neighboring states like Virginia and Maryland to see if they if, if those governors could send in their National Guard troops to the Capitol. Pelosi has heard saying at one point, quote, they're breaking the law in many different ways, quite frankly, at the instigation of the president of the United States. Here's just some of that rather chilling video as the Capitol is being overrun and the congressional members, both Democratic and Republican, are in a secured location trying to get help to the Capitol. There has to be some way we can maintain the sense that people have that there's uh, some security or some confidence uh, that government can function and that we can elect the president of the United States. Did we go back into session? We did go back into session, but now apparently everybody on the floor is putting on tear gas masks to prepare for a breach. Well, I'm trying to get more information. They're putting on their tear gas masks. I'm going to call up the effing secretary of DOD. We have some senators who are still in their hideaways. They need massive personnel now. Can you get the Maryland National Guard to come too? I have something to say, Mr. Secretary. Well, I'm going to call the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. right now and see what uh, other outreach she has to other police departments, as Senator uh, Leader Hoyer has mentioned. They're breaking windows and going in, uh, uh, obviously ransacking our offices and all the rest of that. That's nothing. The, uh, the concern we have about uh, personal 
safety. Personal safety is it just transcends everything. But the fact is, on any given day, they're breaking the law in many different ways. And quite frankly, much of it at the instigation of the President of the United States. And now, uh, if, if he could, could at least uh, somebody. Yeah, why don't you get the President to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General, in your law enforcement responsibility? Also, uh, in never-before-seen Secret Service messages, the panel produced evidence of the way extremist groups provided muscle in the fight for Trump's presidency, planning weeks before the attack, weeks before the attack, to send a violent and armed force to D.C. Their plan is literally to kill people, read a tip that was sent to the Secret Service more than a week before the violence on January 6th. In fact, the Secret Service itself warned in a December 26, 2020 email of a tip that members of the right-wing Proud Boys planned to march in Washington on January 6th with a group large enough to outnumber police. The Secret Service, at least at one point, was concerned. This was the either ninth or tenth public hearing overall, uh, depending on how you count it, for the committee. And as noted, perhaps their last as this session of Congress wraps up at year's end. And it may uh, be led by Republicans in the new year who will undoubtedly dissolve the critical January 6th select committee. At least I think they will. We've got special coverage of all of Thursday's hearing with our panel momentarily, but there are also two other separate, if related to Trump accountability news items of note worth mentioning uh, that we'll talk to our panelists about as well. One of them breaking late this afternoon on Wednesday night prior to Thursday's uh, January 6th hearing. Both the uh, Washington Post and New York Times published stories alleging that, according to several sources, a Trump employee was captured on security camera video footage from inside Mar-a-Lago, moving boxes of documents both in and out of a storage room there, uh, both before and after Trump had been subpoenaed by the Department of Justice to return all of those documents, many of them highly classified that he had stolen from the White House upon finally leaving office. The Trump employee is said to be cooperating, at least to some extent, with the DOJ. That's pretty huge news. And on Thursday, as the January 6th committee hearing was ongoing, the Supreme Court rejected Donald Trump's plea to step into the legal fight over the FBI search of his Florida compound. The Trump legal team was asking the justices, three of whom were appointed by Trump himself, to overturn a lower appeals court ruling by a three-judge panel, two of whom had been appointed by Trump himself, uh, which had uh, blocked an independent special master from reviewing the roughly 100 documents with classified markings on them that were taken in the August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago. The Justice Department said in response to Trump's emergency motion, basically to try and slow everything down uh, by uh, mandating that the uh, special master review these documents, Uh, The DOJ said in response to that emergency motion at the high court that Trump's request had no merit. And, well, apparently the Supreme Court agreed. The justices did not otherwise comment in simply and completely turning away Trump's emergency appeal to the high court. 
Well, if his reaction on Thursday to that news was anything like what we learned his reaction to be when the Supreme Court turned away the bogus lawsuit filed with them following the 2020 election, seeking to toss out perfectly legitimate results uh, and the votes of millions of voters in several different states. Well, as we learned today at the uh, hearing, you can bet your bottom dollar and frankly enjoy the fact that as we speak, the disgraced former president is most likely enraged at this hour by that Supreme Court ruling after being rejected once again by his own corrupt, stolen, and packed majority on the Supreme Court. On Thursday, at least, it seems they did the right thing. So much, uh, so much accountability here, so little time. But joining us to make sense of it all, of course, as always, is our own Desi Doyen, who's yeah. been in a panic pulling clips. <laughs> After the House committee ran longer than usual, you doing you doing okay, Desi? I am doing just fine. It was you a sure? really, really riveting, riveting hearing. I have to say, you do have to say because it really <laughs> was. And our uh, special panel today to discuss all of the above as we go back to some of our old school blogger pals to make sense of things. Uh, they've been right about pretty much everything going on 20 years or so now. So why would they stop now? As ever, during uh, all 10. Of the House January 6th committee hearings, we're joined by once again by our reigning champion, the great Heather Digby Parton, known simply as Digby to the old timers as proprietor of the long running Hullabaloo blog. She's also a regular contributor at Salon and a winner of the Sidney Hillman Prize for Opinion and Analysis Journalism. Oh, welcome back, Heather Digby Parton. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And we're also delighted to be joined uh, again today by the man known simply as Drift Glass, also known as Mr. Electrico when he was on Twitter. Don't know if he's still loud there anymore. He's also known sometimes as Bill, but we'll go with his blogger named Drift Glass. Uh, his, he's been known for about 20 years. He's also the longtime host of the Professional Left podcast which he and his wife, Fran, otherwise known as Blue Gal, record every Friday, rain or shine, they say, from their home in what they describe as flyover country, Illinois. Oh, Drifty, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for being had. So it has <laughs> been almost three months since the last January 6th hearing, and a lot has happened since then, including the entirely new story that Trump stole thousands of documents and they, uh, from the White House and they were retrieved at Mar-a-Lago uh, and the DOJ's seeming se seeming to finally go deeper into the uh, work of investigating the January 6th coup plot, I think. And yet, uh, I went into Thursday's hearing wondering what they could possibly, what the House Committee could possibly offer at this point to pique my interest. And I gotta say, they succeeded again, much to my surprise. Uh, Heather Digby-Parton, your general thoughts on the day before we uh, dig down into some of the specifics. Well, I sort of thought the same thing, and it was a wrap-up of the, of the previous Mm -hmm. hearings and you know they didn't have any live witnesses and every all of the members spoke each on a different part of the presentation that they'd been making this whole time and I thought it was very well done and so I didn't really expect much either but they did offer some new information and you know I think obviously the things that that stand out are um, you know, the Secret Service texts were, mm -hmm. were absolutely new, and we hadn't seen that before, and they are pretty stunning. Uh, you know, something's going to have to be done about the Secret Service. There's something really yeah. wrong there 
that they they had all this information and they obviously you know and I don't know how how much other law enforcement had this information but it was clear that there was monitoring going on including of people at, you know near Donald Trump who mm-hmm. were monitoring what was going on in the far right corners not, of not the, just not of just the monitoring Internet. it uh, Heather but actually causing it there was that uh, news I think it was new news about Jason Miller one of Trump's aides yeah. who actually posted to one of these far right uh you know groups uh saying uh, you know uh, trying to get them fired up and coming back and bragging at the white house that you know we uh, we got the what do you say we got the gang fired up yeah and uh comment thread that would eventually include people you know calling for the death of mike pence well exactly and 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 obviously you know the the secret service was aware of this and Basically, you know, I, I mean, I have to believe after all that we've seen and what went on with the Secret Service was that, you know, there were a number of them in there that were pro-Trump and that they were basically kind of standing aside. I, you know, they didn't contribute directly, but they certainly didn't do anything to stop it, even though they were trying to keep people with, and, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, verified in this hearing that Cassidy Hutchison's testimony that there were people, armed people who were being kept out of the rally mm-hmm. um, that, that you know, that they had told this to Trump, and Trump said, well, you know, they're not here to hurt me, <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, let them on in. Well, the Secret Service really was aware of this. They were talking about it. They were actually documenting it in their, in their text, which they had previously refused to give to the committee, which is kind of damning in itself. Yeah. So that was one big thing. The other big thing that, for me, and it's a very small little piece of it, but, boy, it certainly is intriguing, Kathy Hutchinson said that the day that the Supreme Court um, ruling came down on on the election fraud case that mm-hmm. they had brought, um, Trump was you know having a having a total fit and mm-hmm. he was running around stomping around and she passed him and heard overheard a conversation between him and Mark Meadows in which he told Mark Meadows, um, you know, oh my God, you know, I can't believe this happened and uh, we need to you know we need to we can't let people know that we lost. But he said another thing. He said, we should have made more calls. And the minute I heard that, the hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I'm going, who the hell were they calling yeah, about a, I, I about a Supreme too. Court case? I mean, who do you call mm. <laughs> when they're deliberating a Supreme Court Paging case? Paging Ginny Thomas. Yeah. I, I don't or, know. You know. Maybe Clarence directly, there or maybe go. even good old Brett and good old, you know. Neil, yeah. You know, the Rhett, Neil, I yep. mean, I don't know. But it, it struck me as who were they, who did they think, who did Trump think, you know, would take his mm. call on this issue? So yeah. there were a few things like that. And, of course, the big news at the end, which is that they've subpoenaed Donald Trump. He won't appear, of course, because, you know, he's a coward. Well, we'll loser. see. We'll see. Hang on. I'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, of course, we'll come, uh, him being a coward and a loser, that's almost a given. But we'll get to the specifics of that uh, subpoena in a second. Drift Glass, uh, I don't know if you had the same concerns that I did about whether the House committee, you know, actually had more to say and do. So uh, did they? As you as you saw it, yeah, it was it was arresting. It was it was quite good. I mean, I'm a highly biased viewer, but I was uh, particularly taken by the insider tape mm-hmm. of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer yes. in yes. their bunker. Yep, uh, that was just that really humanized those guys. Yeah, and I was incredibly impressed by the way Nancy Pelosi led. Mm. She was so calm and she was so assured, and she was. They were all about. We got to get to the people's business, mm-hmm. and this this thing has to be concluded correctly. There was no panic. I mean, she was clearly watching. They were all watching what was happening all around them. Um, they were in this 
little room with triscuits on the table yes. and water bottles and a, and a sofa that had been duct taped over. They were not in a palace. They mm-hmm. were not in, they could have been in my basement, for goodness sakes. And she was taking command and she was calling people up and she was insisting that police protection need to be provided immediately from any source she could lay her hands yep. on. And Chuck Schumer was piping in helpfully every now and then. But I, all I thought during that period was, this is the sort of public servant I want to have working for me. Mm. Yes. Mm. In a time of crisis, when the world is seemingly coming to an end, she is highly focused on saving people's lives and getting the people's business done and keeping everybody very calm. Mm. And yeah. that was, I mean, you knew that had to be happening because that's who they are. But presenting that at the very end, and her repeated insistence that this is happening at the insistence or at the instigation of the President of the United States in real time, knowing exactly who caused this, mm-hmm. exactly why these people are here, and they are breaking in right now, you need to get people over here immediately, was terribly impressive. And it, it was impressive, and it was chilling, uh, yep. Drift Glass, oh, yeah. because, you know, as I mentioned, it's been so long now, we've seen so many of these hearings, it's been two years ago since the insurrection almost at this point, and I thought, well, we've learned everything we could learn, but boy, this took me back to that moment because it's yep. the first time we had really seen them inside the Capitol knowing that the crowds were out there, were coming in, and they were coming for them. They were coming for her. And it was just sort of a new perspective that we had not, uh, that I had not seen, that I had not really thought about what it must have been like for them at that moment. Uh, I want to go to this uh, subpoena business. The uh, Obviously, the uh, committee voted at the end of the hearing. Um, I believe that that subpoena will expire at the end of the year, along with the current session of Congress. Um, as noted, it's it's not entirely unprecedented to subpoena a president of the United States, though it's extremely rare, has only happened three other times. I think all three of them got out of testif- uh, testifying in various ways. I'm not sure. Uh, I think we already know what Heather has to say, but drift glass uh, on this matter. Uh, w- w- do you think Trump will ever actually answer the subpoena and before you answer that let me just note that as we have been speaking here fox news has sent me a breaking news alert on my iphone to say (laughs) quote trump loves the idea of testifying before the january 6th committee (laughs) well uh since you put it that way yes i think he will respond in some way i mean in the spotlight Mm -hmm. and every time he's had a chance to grab a national spotlight to put on a little show, um, he's used it. And if, if this does proceed forward, then that's what it'll be used for. I, I am reminded of the opposite of this, which is Alex Jones being put in his place by a judge mm. every time he tried to turn a serious, heartbreaking trial into a freak show and a fundraising effort. And she basically told him to sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. Now, the Congressional Committee will not have that option with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He can do, say whatever he wants. He can perform however he likes. Um, and I can't see him resisting uh, the chance to grab a national spotlight. But he says a lot of things that aren't true. <laughs> so, you know, I don't believe anything any of the Republicans say until it actually happens and it's in the rearview mirror. But it uh. wouldn't shock me if he decided to do the opposite of what everyone tells him not to do well. and 
go and testify and then blow or blow it off. That uh, is that is true. Though it would shock me. I got to be frank. I, I I just can't see him doing this. Uh, Heather, uh, you started to say he was a, a coward and he would never show up. Do you want to stand by that now that you've heard what a source tells Fox <laughs> News? I stand by that. <laughs> I think, of course, he says, I'm dying to go up there. And I'll just, and they had, who was it? Nigel Farage tweeted something. He'll make mincemeat of that committee. You know, <laughs> the whole idea. They'll do it. But somehow or another, I don't know, there'll be some procedural reason or there won't be time uh-huh. or, you know, whatever. I, I, there's no way that that guy's going to go and submit himself to that. He just, you know, he, he won't even submit himself. He won't submit himself to the E. Jean Carroll. Uh, you know, defamation trial mm. because, and he's out there, you know, tweeting that, well, you know, again last night that, she, well, she, I, I couldn't possibly have raped her. She's not my type. You know, uh. I, I mean, this is, this is not a, a rational person. No. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think in any way that, that he'll do it, but he'll pretend like he wants it. Yeah, I think that's where he'll go. He'll pretend that he's going to come in and testify under oath, which history shows he's really, really bad at and has a tendency to lie and expose himself to perjury. I'll believe he'll come in to testify when he releases his tax returns that he's been promising. Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Just after that, he'll come in right as soon after. as they finish Any up with minute. that audit, right? Well, but I hope he does. I should say, I just want to add, yeah. I would love it if oh, he yeah. did. So I'm hoping that he oh, really yeah. will. I think that would be fantastic. Really oh, and, and he held the debate committees hostage during the presidential elections. Uh-huh. He wouldn't go on this one, and right. he has special conditions. So... He's not above at all using all the real estate scumbag tricks to <laughs> pry, pry all sorts of concessions out of people and then bail in the last minute. Mm-hmm. But it's a chance to be in the public eye and, and be a martyr, and he'll take it right up until the last minute when he bails. <laughs> That's probably right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think there's any way, especially since we're talking about, especially if this expires at the end of this year, um, you know, he'll easily delay until then. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope uh, Heather is wrong. I hope Drift Glass is right. Uh, well, and he does I show do up. Question, yeah. Though. yeah. Now, you remember th- the one that they didn't talk about was when George W. Bush sat on Dick Cheney's lap yep. and gave secret testimony behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. That's right. You know, I mean, and that is a very plausible outcome, which is, yeah, I'll testify, but you can't tape it. You can't have a transcript, and I get to sit on, you know, either side of me. I have Roger Stone on one side and, and Steve Bannon on the other, and you have to pay me a million dollars. But there's no way he's going to do that, uh, Bill, because he, no if, if he, right, if he does show up, it's because he wants to play to the camera. If he's not going to be, be uh, in front of the camera, he's otherwise going to plead the fifth, as True. well he should. Remember, he's being investigated criminally for all of this stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, you had to, well, uh, no, I was just get gonna, to a break. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so, um, but I just want to say that I think the hearing did an excellent job of focusing on Trump's personal culpability for all of this. You know, they yeah. had set out the seven points of the coup plot, and they said, and they showed in each time today that mm-hmm. Trump was central to each one of those seven points of the coup plot. He knew he lost the election. He'd been told by his own people. He knew that all of these attempts that he was trying to do to steal the election were all illegal, and he did it all anyway. 
By the way, since you used the correct word, steal the election, I noticed the media cannot do that. It seems like the House committee cannot do that. Uh, You know, I'm old enough to recall the outrage when there was, you know, a question as to whether late military ballots would be counted back in 2000, which, by the way, was actually illegal at the time. But the Gore and Lieberman campaign allowed them to be counted anyway. And yet they were accused for well, weeks, months, years of trying to steal an election, even though they allowed those ballots to be counted, which was illegal, but they allowed it to be counted in an election that they almost certainly actually won. Well, Trump specifically here tried to steal the election in dozens and dozens of very real ways. Uh, And both the committee and the media and the Democrats cannot seem to refer to this as Trump having tried to steal uh, the election. Betty Thompson did it, I think, one time. Uh, Before I get to a break, anyone want to ring in on that uh, other than me? What's going on? Why is that? Am I insane? Heather? (laughs) Um, Yes, you are insane. No. Um, I think the reason that they that they don't do it is because there's an echo of Donald Trump and the stop the steal stuff and him saying they stole it. I think there's a reluctance to sort of echo that language for fear of, uh, you know, creating more, um, you know, kind of skepticism about the electoral system. I agree with you. I don't really think that it works. I don't think it matters because I think people are skeptical each side for different reasons now, and I don't think it makes any, any sense to sort of hedge on what is obvious um, but I think that's the reason that's my that's my theory I think, I it, w- I think, it, would, I think it would actually blunt their claims that it was stolen if we say no it was actually stolen or tried to be stolen by Donald Trump uh, Drift Class you want to ring in on that before I get to a break up to you yeah I, I just take exception with the word blunt because I don't think anyone on that side of the aisle can be moved or persuaded in any way mm. in any direction so the narrative is kind of frozen where it's, where it's at, and no one's going to budge. And so I think they, they took this opportunity to lay out a very clear timeline. Uh, Benny Thompson hit the word premeditated twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Zoe Lofgren uh, reiterated it. It was a very clear um, ex- explanation of who is to blame for the crime that was committed. And they just stuck to a very sleek and linear timeline, and I think that served them well. There was actually a number of other new things, I think, that we learned at uh, Thursday's hearing. Let's take a quick break here. We will uh, walk through some of those things with our special guests, Heather Digby-Parton and Drift Glass, and of course, Desi Doyen for today's special coverage of the latest and apparently, maybe, probably last House January 6th committee hearing. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Got a secret, can you keep it? Swear this one you'll save. Better lock it in your pocket, taking this one to the grave. According to the source of the tip, 
the Proud Boys plan to march armed into D.C. They think that they will have a large enough group to march into D.C. armed, the source reported, and will outnumber the police so they can't be stopped. The source went on to say their plan is to literally kill people. Please, please take this tip seriously and investigate further. The source also made clear that the Proud Boys had detailed their plans on multiple websites like the Donald.win. Let's pause here. The Secret Service had advanced information more than 10 days beforehand regarding the Proud Boys planning for January 6th. In particular, they flagged spikes in violent hashtags like We Are the Storm, 1776 Rebel, and Occupy Capitals. On January 5th, a Secret Service open source unit flagged a social media account that threatened to bring a sniper rifle to a rally on January 6th. The user also posted a picture of a handgun and rifle with the caption, Sunday Gun Day, providing Overwatch January 6th will be wild. If I show you, then I know you won't tell what I said. Cause two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Welcome back to the Bradcast special coverage of what we believe is the 10th public hearing of the bipartisan House Select Committee investigating Trump's January 6th insurrection with our guests, old school bloggers, Heather Digby, Parton of Hullabaloo and Drift Glass of the Professional Left podcast. Uh, Drift Glass, uh, the uh, mention there about these new emails from the Secret Service, some new texts, messages and so forth about these angry supporters planning to bring weapons, planning to kill the vice president. It showed that they knew that violence was likely on January 6th. But, you know, then they claimed that they knew nothing about the possibility of violence before January 6th until now, really. That appears to be false testimony by folks like Jason Miller, who said, oh, I didn't know there was going to be a trouble. Uh, what do we take from this as to why the Secret Service and the FBI and other law enforcement agencies seem to do nothing to prepare? Was it a failure or was it on purpose? Are we I'm any sorry, I thought you said Obama determined to attack in the United States. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was a whole different era. But, oh, I, I spaced out. I, yeah, I thought it was you yeah. know, the before time. Yeah, no, um, I wish. No, the, I mean, I, the way I take it is if this had been Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and a fraction of this had been, you know, over the transom to the FBI or yeah. the Secret Service, there would have been ranked troops three deep in front of the Capitol yeah. because those are angry black people yeah. who are doing this or those are angry liberals or angry Antifa. These are people that... I hate to say it, a whole lot of people in law enforcement identify with mm. and support mm -hmm. and like and kind of agree with on a whole lot of subjects. Enough of them so that maybe we won't take it seriously. Maybe we don't need to really look into this. You know how, you know how those guys are. These are the guys at the bar. They're always spouting off and they're good guys and sometimes they get carried away, but we don't really need to take this seriously. Or, let's hold the door open for them. Let's Let's stand aside. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, we can't enable them, but we can certainly look the other way long enough for them to get in the Capitol because 
you know, the election was stolen, and that Donald Trump guy, he's my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when the head of your Secret Service detail goes into, uh, flips jobs and becomes a member of your staff, right, and then immediately flips back out once that's done and goes into the head of training for the Secret Service, something has gone drastically wrong inside the Secret Service. Mm. Uh, uh, Heather, there was, uh, sticking with some of the more of the new stuff that we learned on Thursday, there was a, I think this was new, a memo from Tom Fenton. He's of the right-wing activist group Judicial Watch. On October 31 of 2020, uh, he apparently drafted a speech for Donald Trump to say, quote, uh, essentially, we had an election today and I won. The counting must now stop. That was like uh, a week, maybe more than a week prior to the election. A, did we know about that before? Did you? Uh, and why is that important? Well, we didn't know, I didn't anyway, know about the Tom Fitton memo. That's, mm-hmm. that's new. Yeah. But I certainly knew that that was, you know, among the various you know, plans that Trump had in case he lost the election. I mean, this is the thing about this. You know, it's, it's, it's important that the committee has put together this proof of his planning to deny the election results before the election. And I think they did a good job of that and really hit it hard today um, because, it, you know, it's important to recognize that <laughs> this, was, this plot didn't begin on the night of the election exactly. and suddenly deciding this. They had this set up. You had that, that thing with Steve Bannon, mm-hmm. who also was telling, apparently, these were his Chinese um, uh, benefactors, benefactors yeah. um, who he was on, on tape telling them, well, this is what we plan to do. We're going to deny it. <laughs> you know, we're going to deny the election results. We're going to, to just say we won. And he had Roger Stone saying the same thing. And, and I, know, think that was, I think that was the same time. I think it was like October 31 at yeah, the same Yeah, it was right around that time, period yeah. where they were, they were saying this stuff. But we also knew this because we could... Donald Trump was telegraphing this stuff the whole time. And in fact, exactly. if, if you want to go back to 2016, he said then that, you know, he would only acknowledge the election results if he won. I mean, so we knew that's how he thought. And he all the stuff he'd been saying throughout the campaign about the mail-in ballots and mm-hmm. how they're all getting ready to cheat. I mean, he was, sa- he was laying the groundwork to deny the election results regardless of whether or not you know he would only he would only accept them if he won we knew that and so all these things that were coming through and 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 you know the whole red mirage thing which i think is interesting for people to remember because mm-hmm. you know we had the, we had plenty of advanced knowledge of how that was going to come down on election night because of the mail in ballots many of them wouldn't be counted until later and of course you know that's one of the things that maybe election officials in a in a normal healthy democracy would have you know, looked into and prepared for and maybe not, you know, posted all the results, you know, the way that they did just Mm. in order to avoid that. But that's, we knew that that was happening. So, you know, this was a big, it's a big part of the issue, I think, that that needs to be in the historical record. If nothing else, I don't know that it's illegal for him to have done that, you know, to go out and just lie blatantly. He did it all the time about everything. But in this case, he was setting this up, and, and it's important that the historical record reflects that, yeah. that he set it up, and then when it happened, that night, you know, they only showed a little clip of it today, but that night when he came out, it was like 2 in the morning when he came out and said, you know, frankly, we won the election. Well, I, yeah. I mean, he just said that. And and from that point on, it was clear, and I'm saying, you've got to be kidding me, you know, and they, shouldn't, they should stop counting the votes. <laughs> 
that was something that he totally, and he still believes it. You well, shouldn't count votes after midnight. Well, it's, you know, that's it. Done. Cut off. No more. We don't do that. And I, it's just, it's astonishing. I, I don't think he actually believes it personally. I think that he recognizes that that is part of his plot, his plot to present this idea that, oh, I really believe this whole thing was stolen. I think he knows it wasn't stolen. I think he planned from way back when to make sure, as you have noted, back in 2016, that he was never going to leave office. But the difference, I think, with this is that it gives, with the Tom Fitton email or, or the draft statement, the, is that right, gives right. us the documentary evidence to prove yep. right. what we already knew was happening. Well, so for the historical record, that's really important. Yeah, and that's one of the things that was very different from 2016, where he said, you know, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, whether I acknowledge it or not. This time, there was actually a plan, a right. plot that they had worked out, you know, and they discussed it uh, at the hearing uh, on Thursday, saying, you know, we don't want people to vote by mail because we want them, our votes to be counted first, and, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to have the post office, you know, uh, postmaster general stall the ballots and make all these changes to uh, the post well, office. Well, they didn't say that. Well, they didn't say that, but remember, this is part of a very w- part broad Part of the big pro- plot. plot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and they also uh, made clear on Thursday that Trump, once again, knew he lost. He was told by everyone, his top aides, the Department of Justice, all of the courts and everything else, but Drift Glass, what I was struck by uh, was among the uh, evidence uh, w- w- that was uh, presented today is that he issued an order to immediately remove all troops from Somalia by the end yep. of the year and all yep. troops from Afghanistan by January 15 before he would leave office. An, an official order clearly indicating he knew he was he had lost that election and he was going to be leaving. Yeah, it was. I got a, a special shout out to Representative Luria, uh, who took it, the internet meme of four hours later and just beat it and beat it and beat it. <laughs> yeah. Because just back and forth, here is Donald Trump being told explicitly mm-hmm. that you have lost nine days later. Mm-hmm. Here is him being told a thing find me 11,780 votes. Four day, and she just did it over and over and over again to such great effect. Yeah. Because, you know, when he's saying, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican Congress, that is consciousness of guilt. Mm-hmm. He yes. was told over and over again that you lost. There's, it's all, all avenues have been exhausted. There's no more court cases. And that's when he decided, no, we're going to just burn it all down. We're going to burn it all down. Yeah, even after being told, like you said, uh, told very specifically a certain thing was not true, and then he would go out and say that thing that he knew, we now know that he knew was not true, but he would say it anyway. Yeah. uh, Once upon a time, I had a 1987 Cutlass. Mm. (laughs) It was a crappy car. And I was awakened in my apartment one night by the sound of its starter plate scraping, which I was not doing because I did not start that car. Mm-hmm. And I looked out the window, and I saw my car being driven down the road. And I called the police, and I said, it's going down Greenview. Oh, it's turned on Belle Plain. Oh, now it's going south on Irving Park. It was a crime in plain sight. Mm. And I was telling them exactly what was going on yep. during the crime. And that, to me, was this. This is a crime being committed in plain sight, fully documented, with lots and lots of people, all of whom are Republican, on the record saying we told him and told him and told him, and he told us 
we're just going to wreck it, we're just going to lie, we're just going to cheat. And I don't know what there is left to say, other than this guy should be in jail for the rest of his life. Let's take a quick, quick break, and we'll talk about exactly that and some of these other crimes for which he should be in jail for the rest of his life. It's our special coverage of the latest January 6th House Committee hearing here on the broadcast with Heather Digby-Parton and Drift Glass and Desi Doyen and myself, Brad Friedman. Quick break, and we're back with our uh, closing thoughts on, well, all of the other crimes and whether there will be any accountability ever for this guy. That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via brandblog.com donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Specifically raised the Dominion voting machines, which I found to be among the most uh, disturbing allegations. Disturbing in the sense that I saw absolutely zero basis for the allegations. I told them that it was that it was uh, crazy stuff, and they were wasting their time on that. And uh, it was doing a great, grave disservice to the country. We have a company that's very suspect. Its name is Dominion. With the turn of a dial or the change of a chip, you can press a button for Trump and the vote goes to Biden. What kind of a system is this? What kind of fool am I? Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Special coverage of what is likely to be, I believe, the last public hearing of the U.S. House uh, a select committee investigating the January 6th attack, unless, of course, Donald Trump wants to testify in prime time, as he has now been subpoenaed to do. Well, it doesn't have to be in prime time, but he has been subpoenaed by the House committee to come in and uh, testify about all of the crimes uh, that he appears to have committed on January 6th and needs to be held accountable for. But he's also... Uh, should be held accountable for a number of other things, including thousands of stolen documents, uh, many of them highly classified, that he stole from the White House that were retrieved from Mar-a-Lago. There was news on that today. The Supreme Court has rejected Trump's latest appeal to mandate that the special master review the classified documents retrieved at Mar-a-Lago. Boy, uh, like I said at the top, so many crimes, so little time. We're speaking with Heather Digby Parton of Salon, Drift Glass of the Professional Left podcast. Um, Heather, uh, at this point, uh, between the Supreme Court and then the news on Wednesday night that an employee was seen on security camera footage at Mar-a-Lago taking boxes in and out of the storage space, taking boxes of those documents in and out of the storage space, even after Trump had been subpoenaed. Is there any way that Donald Trump cannot be charged for stealing those documents from Mar-a-Lago at this point? 
Well, you wouldn't think so. I mean, there's always prosecutorial discretion, and they could decide that, you know, it's just not worth prosecuting, or they have, you know, that witness or evidence disappears or something, you know. I you mean, you can't. Possible. You can't. It's impossible. They put uh, <laughs> Reality Winner into jail for five years for selling know, one document, but, you know, much less I thousands. Mean, are you telling me that the justice system is absolutely equal in its <laughs> <laughs> of justice? I mean, I don't know. I. It's hard for me to see how, it, you know, if if what they care about is the institution, right, that this is what, you know, well, we're worried it will politicize us and whatever, nothing will be more political than to refuse to prosecute Donald Trump Yeah. Um, at knowing what we know. I mean, right. there's just too much information out there. And we do know, I mean, these, the classified documents, the fact that they were classified, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was the, just the documents, you know, that he should have turned over to the archives and didn't. And they were just, it was just stuff, memos and what have you. But the fact that they were classified documents, and now that we know for sure why they included the obstruction charge in their search warrant, it's because (laughs) they knew at the time Mm -hmm. that he had, you know, directed one of his, one or more of his employees to move documents after the subpoena. And they had documentary evidence of that in, 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 with these surveillance tapes. That's damning damning yeah. evidence and yeah. and you know the fact that he is continuing to to fight this thing i mean you know i think we all know that had trump just when they first brought it up to him if he'd kind of go oops i got caught you know they know that i've got the stuff so mm-hmm. he'd have just said oh my bad it was a big chaotic yeah. situation let me just send i'll just send them all back and you know that would have been the end of it i mean i assume that that that, that yeah. the, the archives would have gone, well that's just trump for you you know here we let's tape some some more of these memos back they together. They gave or him so many chances, yeah. Heather. They begged him to do the right thing. This all would have gone away. He wouldn't do the right thing. And yeah. why is that? What What is in there? I don't that know. That he wanted to keep. Now, maybe it's just him being stubborn, but I doubt it. I mean, this is serious stuff, especially the classified yeah, stuff. Right. The fact that they found it in his desk and in the residence and that kind of stuff, this is that it really, really points to the fact that he had reasons for the keeping these documents. Now, my personal opinion on that is that it has to do with the Russia investigation, that he's been obsessed with that, and there's been a lot of reporting in recent days reminding us that he supposedly declassified all the Russia investigation uh, classified information, Mm -hmm. and they have not released it because it was exposing all these sources and methods all over the world, and, and and they haven't, and he's been very upset about that. So my suspicion is, is that that's the stuff that he that he wanted to protect and wanted to keep. Um, this is something that you know he he for whatever reason he wants to. Uh, I don't know. I guess he figures that he can keep it out of the public domain, or he's protecting people, or something. Uh, I, I think he's protecting himself. Well, I was going to say there's still more that we do not know. There's a lot more something going on here that we do not know. Yeah, I mean, I think we had yeah. it might have to do with uh, his attempts to extort Ukraine and his affiliation, shall we call it, his close friendship with Vladimir Putin, <laughs> yeah. and what else might be like, you know, the uh, the missing notes from the uh, the interpreter that we don't know when his he had that private meeting. With with Putin alone at the G7 or G20 summit, and there are no notes from that, and he only met with Putin and a Russian interpreter. No official from the U.S. Dr- was there. Drift Glass, uh, wanna, it, it, I leave it up to you if you want to ring in on that point. And uh, the question to help move us forward here, does this stolen documents case in... Uh, 
uh, Florida now, does this now take precedent over Trump's involvement in January 6th? And if so, should it take precedent? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think you can choose between these so two. Much, I think he's got to be held accountable for both or the role, rule of law is over. So much uh, crime, so little time? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I reject the premise of the question. Okay. I, <laughs> okay. There, is, there are two massive crimes among many other crimes that were committed. And they are both equally uh, treacherous, and mm-hmm. they're both equally dangerous, and they both need to be treated with absolute, um, the full weight of the law needs to come down on both of them for very clear reasons. One is to protect the institution of the United States government. This cannot be allowed to happen again. This was, this was a practice. This was raptors testing the fences. And if they ever get a chance to do it again, they're going to come right in day one and replace all the people with loyalists and stooges and flunkies and perverts. Yep. <laughs> and then they'll just, they'll, that'll be the last election. Yeah. The other one is you cannot have anyone in the government, much less the chief executive of the government, as a spy, as a person mm. who stole any documents. One page is enough. People go to jail for three pages. People are reprimanded for one page. Mm-hmm. This guy stole crates and crates and crates of the most sensitive secrets of the United States and lied about it and lied about it again and lied about it a third time. That is a separate and distinct act of treason. And separately, they're disastrous. If you put them together, it's like two halves of a nuclear mm-hmm. bomb. Mm-hmm. It is, that's it. If you can't prosecute someone for that level of treason, and you can't prosecute the same person for attempting to overthrow the U.S. government, then it's already game over. You have to do both. uh, Very quickly, because we've just got about a minute and a half or two here, let me go around the uh, table, and uh, because I I, uh, tend to agree with you, I think at this point, Donald Trump cannot not be indicted. I think he must be, and I think it must be soon. And frankly, I think it might have already been had we not been in the uh, 60 days prior to the uh, 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 to the election when the DOJ guidelines say you're not supposed to bring you know charges or uh, take public action that might affect an election. I think he could be indicted very quickly. I don't want to get anyone's hope up, hopes up, including my own, but I think that he could be indicted quite quickly after the election. So we'll run around the table here. Uh, Heather, will he be indicted? If so, for which charge and when? Easy question around the table. <laughs> well, I think the charge that he's most likely to be indicted for immediately is the Mar-a-Lago documents case. That one's really pretty clear cut. And I, and I don't, it's, I agree with you. I mean, it's very difficult to see how they cannot do it. I mean, I, you can always find reasons, I guess, but it doesn't seem likely. The other case, the big January 6th case, I would not assume that he's not going to be indicted on that, but it's going to take more time. Just mm. today, they had Mark Short, the uh, Vice President Pence's Chief of Staff, appearing before the grand jury that's looking into the January 6th, the elector's scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, that's getting pretty high up the ladder there, mm-hmm. if you're talking to Mark Short. He's yep. the chief of staff of the vice president. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see something happen there. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, his his ace in the hole is the fact that he's got an army of armed, you know, gullible cultists. <laughs> and people are worried about that. But you know what? They can't, we, that cannot be something that a democratic society allows to stop them 
from upholding the rule of law. If exactly. that happens, then we're not a democracy anymore. We're not even really a, you know, a halfway functional government. Correct so. answer. Bill, 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, you want to play the sucker's game of making predictions here? No, I will just tell you that during the hearing, uh-huh. uh, I did what I call a, a steeplechase and checked out what was going on elsewhere. Uh, over on Newsmax, the story as it was going on was John Fetterman, fish rot from the head down. Jesus. And over on Fox News, this was directly followed, the hearings were directly followed by the five and Jesse Waters saying, midterm Hail Mary, the Trump thing does not affect anybody. So that's why your crazy Uncle Liberty is going to be down with Trump for the rest of his life, because he's not hearing any of this. This is not penetrating their their bubble at all. It won't change any minds on the right, and they'll they'll only get angrier. That is not a reason not to prosecute. An angry mob is never a reason to, to throw justice overboard, but I'm sure someone's considering, you know, weighing those two going, you know, this could be the thing that starts a full scale civil war. It could yeah. be a rocky fall. Des? Yeah, um, I think that he should, of course, be indicted for both Mar-a-Lago, the stolen documents, and the insurrection. I might be surprised, however, if he does get invited, in, indicted for the insurrection. However, I believe the Georgia Fulton County oh, Georgia yeah. prosecutor, yeah. she might be the one who oh, yes. uh, breaks the seal on this one. You're right. So much crime, so little time. We got to <laughs> get out. Uh, thanks to my special guest today, Heather Digby, Parton of Salon. You can, of course, find, find her work at Salon. Com. And at the Hullabaloo blog is digbysblog.net. And of course, she is on the Twitters at digby56. Then there's Drift Glass, and you can listen to the Pro Left podcast by stopping by proleftpod.com. And on Twitter, are you allowed back there anymore, Drifty? Yeah, I, I waited 10 months. I put through another appeal, and they said, whoops, our bad, you're back on. Oh, you, good. You can find him at Mr. Underscore Electrico on the Twitters. Thanks, guys. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks, of course, to our producer, as always, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible that uh, lack of paywall is made possible by those of you kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate and help us stay on your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.